If you've followed this podcast for some time, you know that its title is of importance to both Kevin and me. As educators, we believe in a philosophy called blue sky learning. Similar to a growth mindset and utilizing grit, blue sky learning means to have incredibly lofty goals, but to break them down into achievable parts. It's experiential learning at its finest, and of course, our focus is on aerospace education. So our students at the Aerospace and Innovation Academy, which sponsors this podcast, do just that. Between building real spacecraft and businesses to writing and presenting their research around the world, we encourage your middle or high school student to start working with our after-school program. It starts with Space Club, which teaches the fundamentals of teamwork and Aerospace 101. From there, they're invited to join the illustrious Wolfpack CubeSat development team, which is a real-world team of students across the country and the globe doing that real-world work of aerospace. New cohorts will start soon. And of course, if you know any university students who are interested in getting to become part of our real-world aerospace work, it is also important that you reach out to us by contacting us at the website. So do check out the website at www.aerospacehigh.org. That's A-E-R-O-S-P-A-C-E-H-I-G-H.org. Or follow us on social media, like Go to Space on Facebook. That's G-O, the number two, space go to space on Facebook in order to learn more. And now back to this week's podcast. Let's go to space blue sky learning episode 92. One voice for change, changing STEM education, one country at a time. Today, Kevin and I meet with Dr. Greg Kennedy. He's the COO and co-founder of One Voice for Change. It's a Colorado-based nonprofit whose vision is to bring equal learning opportunities to children around the world. Now, Greg builds local, national, and even international communities to empower students via simple relationships and collaborations with industry and subject matter experts. Two of their most known international programs are the Martian Greenhouse and the S2B20, which we will hear more about the work that he does with these programs in this episode. Now, interestingly, Dr. Kennedy does not have a background in aerospace. Instead, he has a music background, having received a DMA in choral conducting and literature from the University of Colorado, an MA in music education from the University of Wyoming, and a BA in music education from Colorado State University. His work bringing students together to solve problems on Earth and eventually beyond shows that there is a place for all passions in space. And as always, we hope that you'll stay tuned after for our takeaways. Well, good morning, Greg Kennedy. Thanks so much for joining us today. I want you to open up a little bit by sharing with our listeners who you are and how, of course, you came to either know Kevin or get involved in space. Well, I guess I'm a big accident. <laughs> I would have never predicted I would be doing what I'm doing now. Um, so I, I actually have a doctoral degree in music. And, and the story that leads to this is that I was hired by a school to say, hey, what does music look like in STEM? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I study classical music and conduct choirs and orchestras. Um, but in doing so, I found something really cool. I networked with Ableton Live out of Berlin. The students produced music. They won an award from the entertainment industry like the first year we did it. And that was my aha moment. It's like, oh my goodness, I can stand in front of students and tell them what to do. Or I can connect them to experts around the world and let them go further than I could ever go. 
And so that led to me working with multiple teachers and multiple subjects. And then I was teaching in a STEM school close to Lockheed Martin there at the Waterton campus. And so I was doing a ton of stuff with aerospace. And uh, I'd learned so much. Uh, teachers are not usually trained in systems thinking, <laughs> in project management, in all the leadership skills that I saw with aerospace companies that were doing the impossible. So I connected students to uh, internships there. And then uh, I, I, was, I was working on uh, all these kind of things. And I'm still conducting music and uh, did a concert at Metropolitan State University. Uh, or no, sorry, Regis University. Um, and it, it was thematic around the words of Malala and just like empowerment of students. And uh, we did this concert and it was it was really full. And uh, the guitar player that I hired for the concert came up and said, this should be a world movement. <laughs> and so I, I said, okay. <laughs> and the song was called One Voice. So our a uh, nonprofit is One Voice for Change. And um, I, that was started because I was at a high performing STEM school and the students there were doing like amazing things. And I was like, well, why not everybody? <laughs> every student in every zip code could do this. So um, anyway, it's it's a long story of accidents that turned out okay. <laughs> well, what did, it, what did the original project when you said you compiled this piece uh, called One Voice so explain to us a little bit more uh, about what that project was, what it, what it was designed to do in space. Like, was it playing in space or they, or is it just a voice, a way to get voices in space? Like a little bit more. That was just education. So it didn't have any space component at all. It, it was just one voice can change the world. And it was basically, uh, you know, about students could be empowered to find their passion by working with professionals. And then in my experience, because of proximity to Lockheed Martin, especially, uh, I just did, I was immersed in, um, you know, so many people. I, I, I'm thinking 40, at least, uh, engineers at Lockheed Martin uh, right. that I got to know and, and got, built these relationships with them that, um, you know, just said, wow, I had no idea that, that people did it like this. So and it's more this like project based. So it's experiential learning essentially is what you were doing as a way to find uh, something that kids are passionate about and then providing that track for them to work with people who are professionals in that area to really enable their learning. Is that an accurate you description? Know, yeah, I, I've been in education 37 years and all the acronyms, to be honest, just confuse me. Um, I, I think what this is, is a core value of students learn by, by doing, by doing. something yeah, and, 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 and teachers should probably not be teaching. Uh, teachers should be facilitating relationships. I love what Dr. Zabinet said, uh, he's Ministry of Education in Belize, after we did a project called Martian Greenhouse, he said, he was saying, uh, we will not teach content in Belize. We will have experience so that our students know what to do with infinite content. And I, I just think that's wonderful because I have more content on my phone <laughs> than is ever going to be covered by any teacher in any class in any school. What we should be doing is teaching people, teaching them leadership, teaching them things like systems thinking, teaching them how to uh, solve the unknown. And that's um, so many times uh, education is focused on solving the known and not the unknown. 
And the unknown is the fun part. And that's why I guess aerospace is, is such a great playground for that because you're always solving the unknown. Right. Yeah. right. I would, um, some of the themes that you've already hit on that I really resonate with is how important it is. And I think of myself as a connector, right? I see you as a connector and uh, I see you bringing companies, academics, subject matter experts, and students together. And I feel like, um, if a child says, I want to be an engineer, you could tell them what an engineer does, or you could let them work with an engineer. I always <laughs> think that second one is probably in the lane you're in. And that makes, exactly. that, that makes a lot of sense because you know, the student may decide that's not the path I want, but at least they'll have firsthand information. So the second theme uh, you're hitting on that I really agree with is the importance of soft skills, teaching the kids some soft skills and organizational, uh, you know, how to, do something that's longer than a short video game, right? Uh, life is about big projects, long-term yeah. projects. So I, I really like those themes already. Which is one of those issues with education. We do it in years, right? So like, this is what you're going to get this year. This is what you get this year. Instead of taking a, a project that over the course of time, you can learn all of your content areas. You can be writing about your passion project. You can be working with somebody on it. You can apply the mathematical and science terms cross-curricularly. It really can become something that, that I think is is super important in changing that, that how a kid views learning. You know, I, um, I'm going to tell you a, a little bit of a backstory and I don't know, Kevin, if you know this or not. Um, so I was teaching at a school where we had a school shooting and, and the, the young man that lost his life was actually, uh, going to, uh, present to the school board on, uh, virtual reality and augmented reality work that we had done with, uh, Lockheed Martin's chill and Darren Bolthouse there. And so this was a kid who was like excited to learn, skipping through the halls, just loved everything. And I sat down with one of our industry experts after this happened. And, and we said, it was Christian Dow, Panther Industries, amazing friend. And we said, what can, what can we do so that all kids are skipping in the hall and happy and connected and excited about their future? And we said things like, okay, well, let's take this student, for example. Um, he had relationships. He had friendships. He had an internship at Path Panther Industry. He had a lot of mentorship uh, from his community and from, from uh, industry people. And, and we just said, this is it. This is the simple answer. Relationships, building ships. So we started an advisory board and and it's just been like miracles resulting from this simple concept of its building relationships. And, and lastly, I'm, I'm learning, I'm working now for uh, uh, DSST public schools in Denver. It's like 16 schools and inner city kind of environments. And um, we're concentrating on relationships and finding that it, it's just amazing. The, first of all, these large industries, they know a lot but they don't know how students think. So if they do something meaningful together, it helps everybody, all sides, because we know that young people are super creative. They can solve those big problems that, that we can't solve. So jump, you know, we're giving our students, here's the really big problems in One Voice for Change. How do you grow plants on Mars? Well, nobody's done that. <laughs> so right. let's go for it. And, and you do learn a lot of content when you're trying to figure out how to go plants on Mars or, or build a CubeSat or something like that. It's, it's a pretty fun playground. 
you know, I know that Kevin's probably got a lot of questions for you coming up, but I want to interject this because I'm thinking too about the educational system and what you're, what you're kind of getting at. We wait too late, right, to really start tapping into the passions that students have. I mean, our, we focus maybe by the time they're in high school and more like in university level when we really should be tapping that extreme interest and passion and love for learning much younger, like middle and elementary school, you know, to get them to do those hands-on experiences. Well, so, so the, one of the values that we have in One Voice for Change, and I have person, personally, um, is that, that we are building people here, not content. And, and so, um, you know, when, when we work with industries and, and our projects, um, like the CubeSat project and, and the Martian Greenhouse and all of that, um, we are striving to connect people to their future selves. So, and, and students cannot see their future selves by looking at content usually. Now, there are a few exceptions. Students can say like, man, I'm just, I'm just obsessed by this content. I'm, I'm, I, that's me, is that content. But for the most part, we, they need to see themselves in someone else. Right. You know, so when they meet these caring adults, um, that's when they start to build that vision. And unfortunately, the, the way educational systems work, it's sometimes very competitive. And so students who could be connected to their future selves, if you don't win the competition, if you're not in the zip code where your school has resources to win the competition, you may never get to meet that person that's the, that gives you an example of your future self. And so um, I think collaboration is very important and, and uh, listening to everybody in every corner of the world and every student, because you never know when they're going to connect with that person that's going to inspire them to be the, their future selves. And, and so that's right. a, a big part of what we do. Yes. Well, my first question, and then I have a follow-up, is was the guitar player uh, Felicity Mitch? Was that <laughs> the guitar player that you hired? Um, yeah, Felicity is the guitar player. Fantastic. And uh, so uh, uh, Felicity and you are the core of One Voice for Change. Am I correct in that? We are. And, and her story is, she said, I... She's a, a great teacher. She's been teaching for forever, teaching guitar. And uh, she said, um, this just told me that I could do so much more in the world, uh, you know? And, and it turns out, <laughs> you know, what is a music teacher like myself or Felicity doing in aerospace, right? Well, apparently you're connecting. Uh, you're, you're, you're being a very good connector. And that's my transition to, let's talk about what you're doing in South America. And uh, what you see, a um, uh, quick overview of South America, and then what do you see in the future there? Oh, gosh, the future is so bright there. And, and, and you know, because of the way space is working these days, that it's, it's accessible. <laughs> you know, it's no longer this huge rocket with this expensive thing that only a few uh, countries can think about. It's like, you know, everybody can get in on the game here. So. We started, um, I'm on a, the AIAA STEAM committee here in, in Colorado, and uh, our, one of our new members talked about uh, Dr. Johnson and uh, CubeSat Sim, and, uh, and I was saying, oh my gosh, that would be really cool. Well, that's accessible for students everywhere. Uh, you know, some robotics competitions are, are expensive, and, and so you can't do that in every community or, or every school, um, but CubeSats, you could probably do that. So we worked... Um, 
really hard at looking at that model and seeing if that could work. And sure enough, it, it turned out to be a good idea. And I just started networking with a lot of space agencies and educational institutions all over South America. So in Ecuador, Ciderales, uh, amazing example. If anyone wants to look them up, I think the whole world should be looking at what uh, Matias and Juan do there. Um, in Bolivia, uh, a crazy good things happening at the university level. And then their plan I love, which is like um, mastered at the university level and then let it spread down to the high schools and the middle schools and everybody else, build an ecosystem of aerospace. So the potential was crazy good. And honestly, we we thought we had funding to send these CubeSat sims to like multiple countries. That didn't work out. <laughs> we, we lost the funding. However, um, thanks to you, Kevin, <laughs> we made a connection uh, to be able to fund one country and pilot this. And behind me in my background is, is uh, I chose this on purpose because I'm so excited about it, uh, is, is the CubeSat we'll use. And one amazing thing after another happened. So uh, Paola Wong from SteamWorld in Peru and also works for Engitronics and Concitec, which is like the space agency for Peru. Um, she uh, is partnering with us on this. So she was one of those people that I contacted. And I said, hey, we're doing this thing called Martian Greenhouse. You know, you could look at that as far as like how we collaborate globally and bring in experts and, and this approach, which is students do all the work. Teachers don't teach. They facilitate a relationship. And the industry experts mentor in a simple, fun way, just mostly by listening to students and, and, and empowering them and empowering their passions. So Paolo went above and beyond and, and sent uh, Cesar uh, into this collaboration. And, and even without a mentor, I'm on one of the Martian Greenhouse meetings and there's Cesar and Peruvian students doing the Martian Greenhouse project and not only doing it, but like, it was amazing. They were, the urgency, the passion they had was just incredible. And then I know uh, Cesar went to the Kennedy Space Center at your event there, Kevin, and was uh, greatly inspired after that. So since then, what has happened is like the Air Force Academy, STEM Outreach Committee, with the help of Jung Yong, um, they've jumped in as like, hey, this is a thing. This is a goal of the Air Force. This is a goal of our STEM outreach. Can we be mentors? And like, heck yeah. <laughs> and, you know, my last uh, email from Jung Yoon was like, uh, he's trying to connect us to the Space Force and all kinds of wonderful things. And then I uh, was able to connect with uh, 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 a student named Nike at New, uh, University of New Mexico. And she works with the uh, Society for H Hispanic Professional Engineers. That is beyond her university. But uh, she, they want in on this. <laughs> so uh, we are going to have a lot of mentors that, that want to do, do that uh, from there. And then I just the other day met uh, uh, Roberto de Mata from Metropolitan State University here in Colorado. And, and they, have, they are a, what's called a uh, Hispanic serving institution. And they're really pioneering how to bring about opportunities there. So, so he's going to jump into that. <laughs> and then I met Scott Paolo at the uh, University of Colorado in Boulder, who there's an entire network of universities who are um, pioneers in, in everything to do with CubeSats 
and uh, they're called Swarmex. And so Swarmex was very interested in, in getting involved in this as well. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is like, the world is ready for this. People want to come together and help each other and not just in Peru. I think the passion that, um, I get one little quote that I, that I always um, bring up is there was a grad student at, at CU um, and, and he said, you know, there are all kinds of problems in the world and we're done with the easy ones. Right. I know. And, and we are entering um, a time where there are grand challenges that aren't going to be solved by a person. They aren't going to be solved by a company. They're going to be solved by a community global communities the bigger the problem the bigger the community we need it and gosh knows we have a lot of global problems uh so we need to come together and then and when you talk about space exploration we better come together on that <laughs> right well um i <clears throat> you know obviously i'm a big fan of the work you're doing or i wouldn't have started going to those meetings back i guess it was the spring uh but i'm really glad i got connected with you what i agree with you on is that this cube set is really not about technology it's about um what i heard uh I, i'm borrowing a term you know there are no great phrases you you just borrow from other people <laughs> but this uf professor he the way i learned from him was that cube sets are about human capital development they're not about technology they're about the people so i really like the focus it i mean it's very evident the focus here is on the people that are going to receive these kits and, and how much they're going to grow with them. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for you in this area. Well, I think that's a, a good time too. And I know that we're kind of getting towards the end, but like maybe we can describe for those who didn't attend the conference, who might not know a little bit about what's gonna happen between the, the, uh, with, the William, with Williams project and with Peru and how this all is coming so, together to explain what, what this CubeSat mission yes, is gonna be. And, and when you bring um, two connectors together, I, I think that I, I'm, I'm real easy calling myself a connector. I have one student who was so frustrated that we kept getting turned down for a NASA opportunity to get resources to help you launch a CubeSat because they were high school and not university. Right. And then I have another friend who is a Einstein fellow and uh, he's from New Jersey and he and I were really excited about CubeSats and his high school kids actually came up with a really nice emulator and they built it from scratch. So we've got these high school kids in New Jersey that are that built a CubeSat emulator. We have high school kids in Florida that want to help other students get access to CubeSats. And then we've got this network of uh, schools of different ages that you have amassed in New Jersey. And now they've come together and tell us about uh, what the next steps are. I think the next step is we're just going to really listen to um, the aerospace professionals who are caring adults who are going to jump in there and mentor these teams to see what is possible globally. I, I think that the next step is to listen to students really dig into their passions and, and help empower them to be these future uh, space explorers. I think the next step is like dream big and go large on this. <laughs> it has great potential. So like, why wait? Uh, I think all everything is aligned now. The passion of the students, the uh, aha moments from our mentors, uh, as you have said, that us figuring out that students at younger ages really need to see themselves 
doing this. It right. can't be you, you make it through graduate school and, and then maybe you'll get a shot at it. No, it has to be like everybody at the youngest possible age that can start seeing themselves in this. So um, my philosophy is I never tell anyone what to do. So uh, it's going to be a little chaotic, uh, but, you know, we're going to listen to everybody. and We're going to design this together so that all parties find it meaningful. So is it that they're, they're kind of proposing payloads uh, that will be like shared between the students in South America and also where you are, or? I think we'll get there eventually. And, you know, we're going to start, this is brand new. Right, uh, no, of course. Cesar is, you know, has a school along the Amazon River in Peru, and they have not been exposed to this. So at first it's going to be just- be a learning process. We yeah. have this thing, what does it do? And then of course, the wonder of payloads and then, as Kevin is alluding to, wouldn't that be great if the, 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 these were students from different countries collaborating collaborating together to design payloads to help the world? Well, that's and, what I'm thinking about, like the Amazon there. So, like, Kevin, maybe this is a question for you. Is that something that they could they start off there with, say, a high-altitude balloon that was doing some kind of test measuring? I, I don't know. Whatever it is in well, relation to the yes. Amazon and the rainforest. And and for our audio, for our podcast listeners, um, Greg's screen, you know, behind him, his virtual background has a image of the A3SAT emulator. That emulator can be flown on a drone or it could be flown on a balloon. But really, it's a it's a it's a piece of equipment that the teams will decide in what way they will use it and in what way they will. So learn. with the emulator that I'm looking at and everyone, it looks like a regular 10 by 10, right? Um, 10 CubeSat. So they could have pictures on that. And if it were flown by a drone, could they be taking pictures of what's happening with deforestation in the, in the rainforest right now? There, there's no, oh no, there's no limit. To what they that sounds do. like one that they can start with right away. Then they'll uh, be looking at firsthand action about what's, what's going on there right, to there, solve the world problem. There's no limit. The emulator is a, a one U footprint and it is um, designed to emulate the systems in a real satellite. It's just at a much lower cost, which is what we need to get it into yeah. the maximum, no, I never thought about a drone maximum number of hands. Like that's, that's even more accessible when you're looking at it like that. You know, another exciting connection here is the GLOBE program. And, and so this emulator is, is already, I think, uh, approved by or in use with the GLOBE program. I know, I know uh, Rusty Law, who is just in Brazil and just came back to Colorado. I'm going to talk with her Monday. Uh, we're going to dream big about like, how does this connect to the GLOBE program? And, and, and so it, it's expanded. I mean, um, one, of, one of my friends who has known about the GLOBE program for years has so thrilled to see it go from people collecting data on the ground in isolated places to like this being a global thing where like Kevin has said, the, the data that you can connect uh, collect is infinite from images to like carbon dioxide in the atmosphere to like thermal imaging. Um, right, there, there's a, I think an entire weather related sensor in the kit that's perfect for monitoring all types of atmospheric conditions. So the GLOBE program, just very briefly, I, I can't do it justice. It's a well-established NASA, at least it was initiated through NASA. And it, it really is about connecting people with what they see on the ground, looking up into the atmosphere and what the satellites see. And they can actually um, um, compare the data collected by the satellites to what they're, they call it ground truthing, right? And mm -hmm. so very, very good program. And our friend John in New Jersey, whose high school students are, have designed and built the A3 set emulator, 
they are big globe people. So yes, more and more connections being pulled together. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, students are understand that they can have their part in solving this big puzzle, like you know, global warming, climate change, whatever it might be. Um, you know, we have a, a session coming up in a few weeks with uh, uh, Dr. J. Famagletti. So he is very famous for his work in satellites and uh, used to, for problems of water uh, and sustainability around issues of water. So we're really excited to learn from him and see what that means wherever these CubeSats are around the world. That's how we can solve a, a big issue like that, water for people. Right. <laughs> right. And uh, for our listeners, uh, uh, Greg mentioned the grand challenges. The National Academies of Engineering have a list of a number of grand challenges, as Greg correctly said, will never probably be solved by one person, but more by, uh, you know, entire groups, countries, companies, uh, universities. Uh, but I, I encourage our listeners, check out the National Academies of Engineering grand challenges. Those are a great set of problems for us to work on. Kevin, before I ask my last question, is Greg Weiler still interested in sending up satellites in Africa? He is like actually that? trying to connect Africa uh, to connect in, uh, to bring the internet. Low, so I'm thinking low about latency internet right. I thought Africa. so, and if that's the case, like I'm just thinking, like there's another connection right there where there where somebody's already got a passion to do something. It seems like this is connected in some way. Oh, absolutely, it's going to go crazy. Uh, a weekend or so ago, we heard from our Martian greenhouse teams from Nigeria and Pakistan, and our Nigerian team is just like knocking it out of the park as far as the, the passion they have for this. And so I don't know, it, it's, it, this is really fun to think how we can bring students together to solve world problems and other worlds, plural, right. <laughs> problems as well. And that, that kind of leads me to my last question, because it's not just the, the students that you're bringing together, right? It's really the teachers that you said as well. You mentioned that you're a music educator, and I, I know nothing about space either. I was a debate teacher and English teacher. That's what my role is, right? And yet here I am uh, working alongside of some of these kids doing this great work. So for our listeners, students, parents, educators, who might be wondering, what can they do differently to find their place in space as it were right because i know it's not just about space it really is about developing those relationships but sometimes i think that we all forget that our individual interests can be applied here so what advice do you have as, as we leave with that note about how we can either change education our, our own paradigm shifts with that as teachers or as parents even you know we just need to break down the silos that we've created in this world <laughs> because we're all space explorers when I was teaching at a STEM school and people would come by and they knew I was a musician, don't you want to be STEAM? Um, and I would say, no, I am music, I am science, I am technology, I am engineering, and I am math. I'm also space. And everybody is. Every citizen of the world. Um, and so I, I don't see any other way that we're going to really solve these big problems, quite honestly. I don't think we can leave it up to the chosen few to solve these massive problems on our world and other worlds. Um, we've got to come together and we have to start seeing ourselves as, as, as a piece of the puzzle. We don't have to be the expert that designs something that's revolutionary. We have to just be in the mix as far as learning our citizenship, how we work together uh, across the globe, how we solve problems. 
this is huge and and it can translate to like any industry not just space but um yeah let's let's come together and i think it's okay that an english teacher and a music teacher and a and a farmer and uh whoever uh, we need everybody to to work on this stuff together thank you i i really appreciate your time i i anticipate that we will bring you back and because we're going to have to do an update you know at, in the <laughs> After we see how this first run happens, we're, we're going to have to bring you back and let you share out the results yeah. of our first, uh, you know, dipping the toe in the water of taking emulators to South and America. And I'm thinking his teams or even Cesar's teams should be talking with the wolf pack yes, about like yes. just sharing their experiences yeah. as it goes, so, like just to get the kids start to talk to. Right. I had one young man, uh, one of my students, he's originally from Venezuela at the conference, and he did a, a brief interview of Cesar in Spanish. So I think, uh, you know, I want to do a uh, Spanish podcast sometime. I think that would be fun. We could do that. Uh, and then we could share it with the teams in the South. I think Paola uh, from SteamWorld in Peru would absolutely love that. And, and you guys could work together on this podcast because we want to, we know there's going to be miracles in learning in this, but we need to document that. We need to tell that story. And it, it just can't be... Uh, an old guy like me telling the story. It needs to be the students right. that are doing the work and the teachers, the boots on the ground, the mentors that are volunteering their time to inspire right. students. That's 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 the story. So we'll podcast videos, written testimonials, photos, anything that shows what's possible. Cool. Thank thank you for Thanks your time so today, Greg. Today. Yeah, thank you. There's always something exciting going on. Every time we speak with someone, it seems like these connections keep happening. And this is uh, certainly exciting as we, we talk about making space more accessible to kids everywhere, particularly those underrepresented, like in South America now as well. Yes. And um, with the A3SAT uh, emulator, um, 15 kits uh, organized by high school kids from Florida, high school kids from New Jersey. Um, through Greg's organization, we'll be going to 15 teams in Peru, and we're really excited to see what they're going to do. My takeaways from uh, Greg's interview, number one, he's a real big fan of what I call active listening and then active learning, and uh, I really like that, and obviously, you know, he's got lots of energy, and he's got uh, he, he's got a lot of good work going on now. Well, of course, I like the idea that he wasn't, a, you know, a science teacher at all. It comes from this from kind of like the realm where, where I dabble in, and it just reinforces that there, there really is a place within some kind of industry for every person. I also think it's interesting that the more the connections are made, you know, and I, it, it seems as though there's a natural progression for a curriculum that's being designed for people who are looking to do this, whether it's high altitude balloons with near space launch, whether it's the emulators uh, with the A3 set, is that, did I say that right? A3 mm -hmm. set, John? You know, and then ultimately these programs, like even the one that William's providing that can fund these uh, to really come together for, for schools. If we're not gonna employ them here in the United States, other people who are looking to do it with a more sense of urgency. So yes. it's, it's exciting. We, we thank you for uh, listening today. Uh, at this point, we, we just had our um, small site education conference. We had over 280 registrations, and then we had folks, uh, in-person registrations, and we also had a lot of folks online. 
All the presentations are now available on our YouTube channel, the Aerospace and Innovation Academy. When you go to that YouTube channel, just look for the playlist that says uh, 2022 Small Set Education Conference and enjoy wonderful speakers, great time. We're lo already looking forward to the conference next year. Well, we're also looking forward to our next speakers so that we hope that you'll join us next week when we say, let's, let's go, go to space. space.